0: Hi everyone, this is episode 11 of One Question with Pastor Adam, and I'm Adam, and I'm pastor to believers and doubters, to unfaithful Christians and faithful atheists. Jesus wasn't afraid of questions, and neither are we. So each week on this podcast, we will explore one question that you have sent me over Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We will explore questions that you might be afraid to ask someone else. Some topics include the Bible, heaven and hell, who is Jesus, and do you have to be a Christian in order to be saved? If you have questions, hit me up over on social media, either at my personal social media pages, the Raven Foundation pages, or the Clackamas United Church of Christ pages. Our question today comes from Elijah, and Elijah asks this. Why did God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the Garden of Eden? If God didn't want people to partake of the tree, Why didn't God put the tree in the midst of briars on top of a mountain somewhere? (laughs) Oh, Elijah, I love your question. I think that actually if God did put the tree in the midst of briars on top of a mountain somewhere, that that would only increase our desire for eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, The more obstacles that are put in the way of whatever it is that we desire, the more our desire tends to get heightened for that object. Because all of those obstacles in the way denote that object as even more desirable. That is one of the tricky ways that desire works. And I'm just gonna say it, I mean, capitalism knows this really well. I mean, what is one reason that another fruit, the Apple products, are so desirable? It's because they're so expensive. And you, if you have one, you are instantly part of an exclusive group of people that can afford this computer, watch, or iPhone that can do the same thing that almost every other iPhone, computer, or watch can do. But this one is more desirable because, well, it looks cool. But it's also more desirable because there are obstacles in getting in the way of purchasing one. Namely, it's expensive. (laughs) It costs a lot of money. This gets to one of the key points about the story of the Garden of Eden. And that is how desire works. Humans are social creatures. And one of the ways that our socialness bears out is in the fact that we influence one another and we influence one another on the level of desire. And as I talk about the story of the Garden of Eden, I want to invite you to not think about it as a literal story that happened to our very first ancestors. I want to invite you to think about this story as something that happens to all of us. There's a universal truth To this story. And the way that I am about to interpret this story is not some new modern way of interpretation. It goes all the way back to the very early church. Many of the church fathers, like Clement of Alexandria and Origen of Alexandria, would say that if you are only looking at the literal surface meaning level of the story or of the Bible, you are missing the most important parts of it. When we look at the story of the Garden of Eden, the truth that we need to look at is not a debate about whether this happened to our very first human ancestors. The truth is that it happens to all of us. And so God puts Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and God says, Hey guys, you can have any fruit in this garden. Just don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And when God first says this to them, they're like, okay, I mean, there's so much fruit in here. Why would I need to go after the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? I don't need to eat that. Because there's so much here, there's an abundance of stuff here. And this is a key point that is often missed in this story. They already had everything that they needed and everything that they wanted. And that's part of the wisdom of the Garden of Eden is to learn to desire what you already have. But when we don't learn to desire what we already have, we get in trouble. And then comes along the key point in the story another character comes in and influences eve and then adam to eat of the fruit the serpent comes in and says hey guys that fruit is really good for eating it is desirable so this is how desire works within us once our basic needs are met we don't know what to desire unless someone suggests to us what it is that we should desire. This is suggested desire or imitative desire. And so the serpent says to them, you really should go and eat that fruit. And the serpent also puts this doubt in Adam and Eve's mind about God. God, in making this prohibition, against eating this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil is trying to protect Adam and Eve from the consequences of what will happen when they grasp onto this knowledge. And that's the problem. Because when we grasp onto the knowledge of good and evil, when we consume that knowledge within ourselves, we think that we are the judges of what is good and what is evil in this world. And here is how the natural consequences of this grasping onto this knowledge plays out. Once they eat the fruit, Adam and Eve notice that they are naked, and they start making judgments towards one another that bring a sense of shame. They start seeing, oh, we're naked, and that's not a good thing, (laughs) whereas before it was just a thing. So now that they think that being naked in front of each other is a bad thing, they cover themselves up. And then God walks through the garden in search of them, and they run and they hide Because they're naked and they are ashamed. They fear God, not because they've disobeyed this commandment to not eat of the fruit, but because they're naked. All of a sudden, vulnerability is introduced into the story and they run and hide. And God comes to them and says, Who told you that you were naked? And I want you to pay close attention to what happens next, because this is what happens when we grasp onto the knowledge of good and evil. Adam says to God, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Do you see what happens here? Adam points his fingers and accuses Eve of giving him the fruit. He refuses to take responsibility for himself, and instead, he makes an accusation against another person. And the story continues. Eve says that the serpent tricked me and I ate. And so Eve points her fingers at the serpent. And so the story is telling us that once we grasp onto the fruit and we eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, we start dividing the world up into good and evil, and we point fingers against one another. And did you notice who else Adam blamed in this story? Adam blames even God. For creating the woman and I think it's kind of obvious how true this story remains for us today when we don't learn to desire what we already have and we begin to desire what other people have we start getting into some serious trouble and we start an imitative cycle of blaming one another when things go wrong I mean we continue to be in a cycle of pointing fingers against one another And God is allowing the consequences of our grasping onto the knowledge of good and evil and accusing one another to play out. But not only does God allow those consequences to play out, God also gives us the remedy. As you continue throughout the book of Genesis, you have this pattern Continuing to emerge throughout the stories family rivalry and sibling rivalry permeate the book of Genesis and you see the pointing of the fingers of accusation against family members throughout the book for example the last story in the book of Genesis is about Joseph and his brothers Joseph's brothers accuse him of being a jerk which he kind of is in the story. Joseph flaunts the fact that their father loves him the best and that he is destined to do great things. And this makes his siblings jealous. Joseph suggests that they should want to be like him because he's so awesome. And they are jealous because they can't be like him. The siblings don't learn to desire what they already have. They learn to desire what Joseph has. And they unite against him and leave him for dead but Joseph survives the betrayal of his brothers. And at the end of the story, Joseph and his brothers meet once again, and Joseph is able to move through his pain of being betrayed by his brothers, and they're able to find forgiveness and reconciliation. And again, i I want to invite you to not so much think about the story of Joseph and his brothers and the story of Adam and Eve as something that happened long ago, but as something that happens to us today. I mean, how many of you have been betrayed by family members or close friends? Yeah, you're not alone. Adam and Eve went through it. Joseph went through it, too. We all go through it. And how many of you just like me, have thrown around fingers of accusation against people? How many of you have united as a group of people over and against another person? It's human. It's what we do. And the stories in Genesis both reflect this truth about being human, and it also tries to give us a step forward so that we can break, the cycles of accusation that we level against one another. One of the things that's always intrigued me about the story of the Garden of Eden is how Adam and Eve were able to find reconciliation after this horrific moment of blaming one another for what had just happened in their lives. The Bible doesn't tell us how, but they must have gone through a process of forgiving one another, leaning into one another and caring about one another after this horrible break in their relationship. Part of their process in moving forward was to learn how to become satisfied not with the knowledge of good and evil, but with what they already had, which was each other. And sometimes when those horrible breaks happen and we start accusing one another, the best thing to do is to just move on from those relationships. But sometimes the best thing to do is to stick with it and to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. So, Elijah, those are my thoughts on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Again, I want to invite you to not think of this as simply something that literally happened long ago to our first ancestors, but something that continues to happen to all of us today. When we grasp on to the knowledge of good and evil, we think that we are the owners of it and that we can divide the world into good and evil and make accusations against one another. And God, throughout the Bible, is trying to lead us away from that pattern and towards a pattern of realizing that what we have already is already enough. And that, I think, is the wisdom found in Genesis. For at the very beginning, Adam and Eve didn't want the tree of knowledge of good and evil because they knew that what they had was already enough. So friends, that's it for today. Thank you for having the courage to ask questions and for listening. If you have a question, hit me up over on social media. And if you want more content, check me out at theravenfoundation.org where we explore life, faith, and mimetic theory. And if you are in the Portland area, you can come check us out over at Clackamas United Church of Christ. And hey, always remember, your faith and your doubts are holy. So join me next time as we continue to explore your questions.